How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Welcome to Inside the Archives. I'm your host, Marty Rosenbaum, XRT's digital content producer and all things social media. If you haven't done so yet, you can find Inside the Archives on iTunes. Just search the library for Inside the Archives. Subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating or review, and find a full listing of every single episode we've released thus far. And if iTunes isn't your thing, well, I've got some good news. You can find us on the radio.com app in the podcasting section as well. Just search for Inside the Archives podcast. Or just go to the podcasting selection, scroll down to music podcast, and we're we're pretty easy to find from there. You can scroll through and find other great podcasts that are on radio.com as well. Today's episode, we're looking at a contentious subject. Well, contentious depending on who you ask, and something that may be held private for some people, but some people have no qualms about it and will make it known publicly. That, my friends, is guilty pleasure music. A couple days ago, I posed a question on XRT's Facebook and Twitter pages, and that was, who are your favorite guilty pleasure musicians? When I posed this question, I had two motivations. One was to see if there's a consensus on artists that are considered guilty pleasures, and two is to spell the notion that your musical taste should be considered guilty. I believe that musical preferences are subjective and also influenced by our social surroundings, Everyone has a different exposure to music, whether that comes from listening to the radio, hearing records that your parents are playing in the house while you're growing up, or even hanging out at your friend's house listening to their collection of music. All The, the point being is that all these factors shape our musical identity, and no two individuals follow a similar path. So how does an artist gain the guilty pleasure label? Well, that's a million-dollar question. Part one of this two-part podcast series looks at the study I did on XRT's social media pages and also offers perspectives on why guilty pleasure music exists. As I mentioned before, I wanted to see if there is a consensus amongst our followers on a certain band that has that guilty pleasure label or if it's a mishmash of artists that really is just all over the place depending on our followers' preferences. The second part of this podcast will focus on how stigmas surrounding certain artists come to be. Now, this is purely looking at their musical output. I'm not going to focus on their character or any decisions they have made with their lives. But instead, we're just looking at their music and why it's considered a guilty pleasure or why you should feel guilty listening to it. We'll also dive deeper into the psychology of music and how humans develop their musical preferences and what goes into shaping our taste. Now, as I mentioned before, I polled our Facebook and Twitter followers. Shameless plug, if you haven't done so yet, follow XRT on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at 93XRT. And you can find me on Twitter at Marty Rosemom if you want to yell at me and tell me that this is stupid. Perfectly cool with that. Please do it. Or if you want to look at the data sheet that I created and get a deeper look into the answers that we received, I'm more than, more than happy to chat with you. So find me on Twitter at Marty Rosenbaum. But as I mentioned, we asked our followers to tell us their favorite guilty pleasure musicians, And without further ado, I'm going to give you the top five guilty pleasure artists from our 
little study that we did. The number five artist was a three-way tie between the Bee Gees, Madonna, and Barry Manilow. Number four was a tie between Hall and & Oates and Little River Band. Third place was the Carpenters. Second place, John Denver. And coming in first place as the most frequent response to who is your favorite guilty pleasure artist, none other than the Dancing Queens themselves, ABBA, with 3% of the total vote out of 224 unique responses that we received. This tells us, you know, tells us a couple things. I think there's a certain time period that a lot of these artists come from. Some are still active to this day. I mean, Hall & Oates just underwent a tour last year. Madonna, I believe, has a new album coming out soon. And Barry Manilow still tours. And these other musicians, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm sure in some form that they're active or some members of the band are active. But a lot of these artists come from a specific time period. It's nothing that's considered newer. Now, we did have artists like Taylor Swift, uh, BTS, the Korean pop band sensation that were among some of the responses that we had. So it's not necessarily that newer artists weren't represented in our study. It was that the most common responses came from the artists that I mentioned that were in the top five. Some other notable artists that were mentioned in the responses were The Cure, Yacht Rocked, as in the, the genre, genre Yacht Rocked. For those of you that responded with Yacht Rocked, reach out to me. Let me know what, what that entails. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a YouTube playlist after we're done recording this podcast to see what exactly that is. I think I have a pretty good idea, but... I'd like to know what artists are represented on there. Heavy metal as a genre was also on there. Huey Lewis in the news. Shout out to Ernie for that. Grateful Dead, Taylor Swift, B-52s, The Monkees, Alice Cooper, Hanson, and Bob Dylan were some of the responses that we had. And as I mentioned before, we had 224 unique responses. So answering the first part of my question, yes, there was a consensus, but it wasn't as great as I initially anticipated. We had 224 different acts and or genres that were responses. And I think this shows us that what people consider to be a guilty pleasure is going to differ from individual to individual. And it may not be something that we can all come to agreement on, or we can come to agreement on what artists are typically known as guilty pleasures, but not something that is your guilty pleasure. Now, when I was doing research for this podcast, I came across a really interesting study that was done by a Yale professor, Professor Ravi Dar, who was looking at guilty pleasures. And the study that he took was inspired by one of his uh, co-workers who he saw eating a chocolate bar. And as this co-worker was eating the chocolate bar, they were expressing feelings of joy and distaste at the same time. So Professor Dar wanted to look at why that was the case. One of his major findings in the study found that induced feelings of guilt can actually boost pleasure. So the idea is as follows, and this is in Dar's words, appealing to a negative attribute that is connected to positive feelings can be much more effective at persuading people than directly talking about positive attributes. Essentially, anything that is labeled guilty can actually have the opposite effect on you. You don't feel shame. You do. Well, in this case, you did. In this case, his coworker did feel shame, but it was boosting feelings of pleasure. And that seemingly outweighed any negative attributes that were there. Now, when we apply this to music, we associate music with different emotions, different feelings. Oftentimes it's with joy. So we replicate those feelings when we're listening to an artist. That's a quote unquote guilty pleasure. 
a lot of music, we get positive reinforcement from or feeling that it's fulfilling some type of emotion that we need fulfilled during that time. And there's a positive gain that comes from that. When we're listening to these guilty pleasure artists, some of them that I had mentioned earlier on, you're fulfilling that. You are getting pleasure out of it, even though it may have that guilty mantra. That, in fact, could be contributing to why you gain pleasure out of it, because it is boosting those positive feelings. So Professor Dar's study came as a part of his broader research that he does on how consumers make decisions. It's a really fascinating article, which I will link to in the post on 93xrt.com that has this podcast in it. So if you want to check that out, just head to 93xrt.com. I'll link off to it. Really, really interesting stuff that he was talking about. Other research that I found came from a study that Spotify did, which analyzed tens of thousands of their user playlists that were called Guilty Pleasures. From there, they figured out what 14 songs were the most common, how they arrived at the number 14. I don't know. Seems like an arbitrary choice, but that's what they decided to go with. So here are a few songs that made the list. Mambo Number no. 5 by Lou Bega, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham, My Sharona by The Knack, Don't Stop Believing by Journey, You Spin Me Round Like a Record by Dead or Alive, and everyone's favorite Rick Roll, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. The Spotify study shared a lot of overlapping artists with the responses that we got on social media pages. Everyone except for Lou Bega, and a little disappointed in you guys that Lou Bega wasn't on there because that is a guilty pleasure classic or has been labeled so. But a lot of those artists were listed in the responses that I got on our social media pages. The data shown in both our study and the Spotify study show that people really hold no qualms about listening to certain artists. However, there's a widely agreed upon notion that those artists have guilt associated with them. This could be what Professor Dar was referencing, and I suspect that is likely the case. I also came across a countering article that was written by Canadian musician Danko Jones, and it takes a different perspective. And this was interesting because it's written from the artist's standpoint, not from any academic standpoint or from a music fan's standpoint, but from a musician themselves. He wrote, When a music is tagged as a guilty pleasure, it's viewed as socially unacceptable. It also happens to bring down the pastime of music listening to a ninth grade high school cliquish level, except it involves supposedly grown adults. Jones added, Many people use one's musical taste as a sea for finding like-minded individuals and harshly judging others whose tastes don't correspond. It's a practice that assumes the direction in which one's ear bends is in direct correlation with one's quality of character. But like the Yale study, I will link off to this piece that he wrote for Huffington Post Canada in my post on 93XRT.com. But I I think Jones is right. There isn't really any reason why music should be guilty or that it should be forbidden. Now, as I mentioned before, we're just looking at the musical output. I understand that certain artists may be problematic or they do things that really do not warrant individual support of their music, but We're just looking at it from a music standpoint and what they're releasing. If you don't like it, that's fine. We all, we all have music that we don't like. We all have music that we gravitate towards. There are certain artists who we just can't stand musically for one reason or another. And that's fine. But what Jones is getting at here is to put another person down on the level and assess the quality of their character based on what they like is kind of lame for lack of a better term. It is Kind of clickish stuff that you thought would be left in high school 
or even beforehand gets brought up again here. So for him, as a musician, a guilty pleasure is a ridiculous notion. And later on in that piece, he goes on to name artists that he loves, ranging from Bruno Mars to Polvo to uh, other artists, which I can't remember off the top of my head. But the point being, there's a wide variety on the musical spectrum that he enjoys and holds no fears about it, no, no, no reservations about what he enjoys. And I urge you, if you haven't done so yet, and you said that this was a ridiculous question, I understand where you're coming from with it, but there was an ulterior motivation. And I hope that listening to this podcast today may have made that question a little bit less ridiculous because, after all, there isn't any negative association that should come with listening to music. Music is escapism for a lot of people. For some people, it's a way of life. But all in all, it fulfills emotional needs that we have, whatever that may be. And whatever artists and whatever music does that for you, don't let anyone make you feel bad about it. Take pride in it. It's something that you love. And after all, here at XRT, we are the home of music lovers for good reason, because we all love music. As I mentioned, we do have a part two of this podcast that is on the way that is going to be looking more on the psychological side of music, why stigmas are created around certain artists and around their music, how that gets developed, how it gets perpetuated, and why it exists. We're also going to be looking at how our musical tastes form, what predispositions we may have to certain types of music, to certain artists, to certain sounds. So that's going to be coming up in a few weeks from now. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to Inside the Archives on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and find a full list of every single episode we've done thus far, or find us on the Radio.com app, where you can download for free on the App Store and the Google Play Store. Thanks again for everyone who tuned into this episode, and for all of you who responded to my little inquiry on social media. We have a couple other that'll be coming up in the future that'll inspire future podcasts, so if you haven't done so yet... Follow 93XRT on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at 93XRT. And you can follow me on Twitter at Marty Rosenbaum. For 93XRT and Inside the Archives, I'm Marty Rosenbaum. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.